again, everybody. Welcome or welcome back to the Yearbooking Report podcast. If it's welcome back, thanks for coming back again. If it's just welcome, your first go-round. My name is Scott Giese. I'm a 21-year representative of Jostin's Yearbooks. I'm also a lifelong journalist and broadcaster. Hard to believe, nearly ooh, four decades now. And I do this because I love storytelling. And your yearbook is one of the number one storytelling items on planet Earth. So many opportunities for something, of course, that people end up keeping for the rest of their lives. And we cover some great topics here on the Yearbooking Report. And in this particular episode, we're actually going to sort of cover two topics. One main topic, which is the idea of staff organization. Now here we're early still in the new school year. And there are plenty of yearbook staffs out there that either they're not well organized at all or they're not organized at all. Really, at this particular point. School's been in session for several weeks. Sports have been playing. Activities have been going on. Homecoming has either happened or is coming up. And yet a lot of yearbook staffs, when it comes to organizing uh, their book and organizing their staff, they really don't do a whole lot. So hopefully, in this episode, we're going to have some great ideas for you to take. And it's not too late to start. All right? Getting started is the important thing. Recently, we talked with Kristen Scott. Now, Kristen is the advisor at Keeling Middle School in Austin, Texas. For Jostin's advisors out there, you may have a copy of our relatively new yearbook advisor guidebook. And if you open that up, you will see Kristen's name because she's one of the people that helped put that guidebook together. It's sort of like the Bible for yearbook advisors. Just a terrific effort by Kristen and uh, the other folks uh, that were involved in that particular project. And so when we were looking for somebody that's really good with staff organization, Kristen's name kind of rose right to the top of the list. And so we spoke with her online recently. Staff organization is going to be our main topic, but a little bit later on, this is a middle school book. And if you have a chance to watch our video on our YouTube channel, The Yearbooking Report, you will see some snapshots of some pages and such cover of uh, the Keeling Middle School yearbook. And all I can say is, wow, it is uh, head and shoulders and neck and legs and whatever up above most middle school yearbooks. And it just goes to prove anybody can do top level work. But tell you what, we're going to save that for a little bit later on. Again, we did this uh, uh, interview online. So there's a dropout here or there, thanks to fun internet technology. But here at the start, let's meet Kristen. Kristen, first off, I appreciate you taking your time out of your schedule down in the great state of Texas. I'm in the, I guess, great state of Pennsylvania. So uh, we're uh, two peas in a pod here. And we're going to talk about, well, one main topic, but then one different topic. We're gonna, our main uh, co uh, concentration today is on staff organization because you do an outstanding job with that. We're going to get some tips and ideas and, and so on from that. But also, in the year plus that I've been doing this feature, you're the very first middle school advisor that I've talked to. And so later on, I'd like to get some maybe middle school perspectives on things uh, because your, your yearbook is outstanding. So Kristen, first of all, I appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Let's start with some basics, I guess. Um, kind of introduce yourself. Tell us something about yourself. Uh, how long have you been a yearbook advisor? What do you teach? Maybe some information about your school and so on. Okay. Um, I 
Uh, my name's Kristen Scott. I'm at Keeling Middle School in Austin. I have been a teacher for 17 years, and I've been a teacher here at Keeling for 17 years. I've been doing the yearbook for 10, or this is my 10th year. Um, Keeling is a really interesting school in that it has a very interesting history to our city. It was the first black middle school opened in 1930. It was closed in the 70s due to desegregation and then reopened again in the 1980s, mid-1980s, and it was opened as an advanced academic magnet program. So it houses both uh, a neighborhood program from kind of a, um, it's, it's a neighborhood program from an, a, your standard kind of urban city school neighborhood, and then it also hosts an advanced academic program with students coming from all over the city. So it's truly a very special place with uh, faculty and students from from all over and from very diverse backgrounds. Let me ask, this might be a dumb question, but where I live, there are no magnet schools. I think there are some in the Philadelphia area, which is hours away from me. There might be some in the Pittsburgh area, I don't know. What exactly is a magnet school? I think the concept of a magnet school is that, like, you think of a magnet and what it does is it, it attracts, it pulls. And so the idea of an advanced academic magnet is to create a program that ha that offers things that aren't offered at all the other traditional schools in the area that will attract students from all over to come here. And so um, in our area, we have we have some... We have some traditional magnet programs that have advanced academics, and then we also have some academies. So we have like a fine arts academy. We have um, we have a world languages academy. We have a bunch of different like kind of specialized school programs. But the advanced academic magnet is strictly that. It's it's um, an advanced program with uh, academic offerings with academic offerings in all of the four core subjects. An example is we have these crazy electives um, on our campus. So like we have a Harry Potter elective and a Percy Jackson elective and we have a forensic science elective and we have one called Math and the Arts where the kids make origami and do like tangrams and stuff. So they have almost like these kind of like college level, college, not level, college style electives for students to choose from and so it's a big draw to attract students from all over the district. I've heard of magnet high schools. Are there a lot of magnet middle schools? Um, there's two in Austin. There's one where the centrally located so our school is basically we are you can see you can see the UT Tower and you can see the state capitol from the roof of our building. They're, we're super close to downtown um, and then there's one that's a little further south from us that's also a, a magnet middle school and then there are I think with the in terms of middle schools with like academies I think there's three that I can think of but I can't remember what they all are <laughs> okay that sounds pretty cool now uh, I've been to Texas a few times I've been to Dallas I've been in San Antonio I've never been to Austin and yes uh, from my basic geography I know that Austin is the capital of Texas I remember a few things from my school days but what's Austin like? Tell me about Austin. When I first moved to Austin, I was in my 20s and I grew up in Florida and all of my friends were like, do you ride a horse to your classes? And I was like, no, it's not like that. It's a real city. And Austin is very much a real city. It's got a little bit of 
I don't want to say it's got a small town feel because I think that sounds quaint and Austin is not quaint, but it has a very lively, energetic spirit. Um, there's a lot of music. There's a lot of culture. There's a lot of amazing places to eat, lots of outdoor activities. I feel like everybody in Austin is always doing something that's very fun, very cool, very interesting. Um, the city has has a lot of spirit and a lot of soul, and it's a really interesting and fun place to live. All right, I need to come visit sometime, so I don't mark me down or something. All right, let's talk about let's talk about your yearbook because again, you have a dynamite middle school yearbook that, frankly, I would say would put a lot of high school books to shame. Um, tell everybody about your yearbook. Ooh, okay, well, um, we started out um, when I started out ten years ago book and it was basically a, a picture book kind of you know very very traditional not not unlike an elementary school book or something it was like there was little if any writing maybe like sometimes teachers were labeled but but not very much not very much writing at all um and I went to the yearbook advisor training and I was like oh my gosh that's what a yearbook's supposed to be okay um and so the first year I really wanted us to, to take on writing, and so in the first year we, we took on writing, um, and we kind of have built it up from there year after year with doing a little bit, um, a little bit more each year. And I, I feel like our book has grown into uh, what I like to think as a, a really has a. I think it's grown into something that has a really high standard for journalism integrity or journalistic integrity, rather. I, I feel like we try to tell stories that are meaningful to our students, and we try and capture the the story of the year in a way that it's it's different each year, and that it's it's special. So that when kids sit back and reflect on their yearbooks, they don't want just one; they don't want their sixth grade yearbook or their seventh grade yearbook. They want to see the whole complete package from all three years um, here at the school. Now that's quite a transition from essentially you said a, just a simple picture book to what you have now which is extremely involved and you're doing it with middle school students how much work was this I mean I'm thinking there might be some people you know tuning in thinking well yeah that that's sort of where I am that's where I want to go but boy that sounds like a lot of work was it a lot of work it was a ton of work so I will I will make I can't. I can't lie. It was. It was a lot of work. Um, my first year, I was. I was teaching yearbook, and I was teaching English language arts, and then I was also teaching photography classes. So I basically had my photography classes shooting all of the material for the yearbook. So I was able to focus with my yearbook class on taking the material we had and putting it together. And and so the yearbook staff that year mostly wrote stories and captions and kind of got a feel for, for what that was. Maybe that wasn't the best experience for my photography students, but it was one of, of survival, and it was it was kind of, I did what I had to do to produce a book. And our, our first year book was not great, but it, it was fine. Um, from there, I definitely kind of moved back to the more traditional teaching photography the way I had. I, I no longer had to teach um, English, English ELA classes, so I was just teaching electives. And that allowed me a little bit more time to focus on how I wanted to, to build and create a, a journalism program here at the school. 
So for any rookie advisors who are tuning in or for any advisor who just thinks, boy, I really want to change. Yes, you can. No, it won't happen in a year. Might not be two years, but it is doable. So stick with it. Now for Justin's advisors who have a copy of our yearbook advisor guidebook, if you open that up, you'll see Kristen's name in there because Kristen helped to make that book, which essentially is sort of like a textbook. Now, Kristen, what was that experience like? Because this is not a yearbook. This is a textbook now. What was that like? So it was very different to write a, a textbook. I. It was kind of fun because I approached it with kind of the same style that I approached writing an email or any sort of kind of communication I was like I just want to come right out and say this is how you this is how it's done and so I sat down with the with I guess just the the manner in which I communicate and I would and I sat down with I have all of my curriculum and like just a big a big binder like a like the like the kind that the kids carry like a three ring binder and so every time I would do you know teach an activity or teach a lesson or create a handout or anything I would just keep it in this binder and so I sat down with my binder and I started organizing it into into categories right like so I had my management category and I had um, photography and so I took all of these resources that I created over the years or or modified from other resources that I'd seen or or used um, to meet the needs of my program and then I kind of organized it and then I just sort of like typed like this is what this is and then this is what that is so it was it was an unusual project and it was it was fun, um, and it was really, I don't know, um, it, it, it felt really good. Like, I was very nervous that I wouldn't be able to figure out how to pull it all together, but as I got going, I was like, oh, this is a really fun and rewarding thing to do. It's almost like creating a justification for the things that you teach and what you teach, um, and when I would send chapters to Sarah, she would be so, so excited. She'd be like, she would always say her feedback was always like, Kristen, this is going to help people so much. And I was like, and that just kind of pushed me further to continue to do it because that, that was the whole reason I wanted to do it in the first place was that I wanted people to be able to benefit from the experience I had and the experiences, you know, of, of our program. Well, I would say Sarah nailed it. By the way, Sarah is our friend Sarah Sosker, who's sort of the educational queen of Jostens. When I need good guests, I drop Sarah a line. Hey, Sarah, can you help me out? And in this case, she said, you need to talk to Kristen. I'm like, all right, I'm there. So the guidebook is excellent, Kristen. So thank you for all the hard work that you put into that. We'll get back with more with advisor Kristen Scott from Texas on good staff organization and also the eh, somewhat unique world of middle school yearbooks. We'll have all that coming up in just a moment. Now, I'll tell you what, mark your calendar. Now, depending on when you're listening to the report this go-round, mark your calendar for the week of October 6th. That week, the first full week uh, in October, once again this year will be National Yearbook Week. Now, some folks think, well, this is a, some Justin's concoction. No, it isn't. This is a national thing. All companies mark it. It began in 1987 with a federal proclamation signed by President Ronald Reagan. The real thing. Uh, like all the other proclamations that come out of Washington. So this is official. National Yearbook Week. 
And if I do some quick math, this would be the 32nd year for National Yearbook Week. The question is, are you doing anything with this at school? You should be. That's a big week. Uh, it's a great way to do some promotion for your book, to do, to do some promotion for the work your staff is doing. That first week of October, the week of October 6th, now, if you're at Johnston School, be on the lookout for some upcoming material before the 6th, either uh, from uh, Johnston's directly or via our social media channels, because we always play National Yearbook Week up pretty big to the point where we have some great prize giveaways for people that buy a copy of your yearbook through Johnston's that particular week. Uh, so we're going to have some great giveaways once again. So there's a double reason to promote. Promote all the great work that your staff is doing, but also along the line, assuming that you have an online offer and so on set up through Justin's, promote that special giveaway, a chance for maybe somebody at your school to win some really cool extra prizes along with their book. All right, National Yearbook Week, the week of October 6th. Do a little web searching. You can get more information on that. Make a big deal out of that this year. Now, speaking of big deal, your staff organization is a big deal. Let's get back to more with our friend Kristen Scott. All right, now let's move back to your book here a little bit. I'm going to ask a question which may sound a little odd, but it's very, the simple version of the question is, what is the difference or what are the differences between a middle school book and a high school book? Now, if I ask that question to some people, they would say, well, come on, there's high school and there's middle school, older kids and younger kids, as if to say, well, a middle school yearbook, you know, it's just middle school. Now, you do a dynamite book. How do you answer that question? Really? What's the difference between a middle school book and a high school book? I think the only physical difference between a middle school and a high school book is the length, right? Like I think a, a high school book, a middle school book kind of taps out at around 150 pages usually. And that's kind of where high school books just get started going, right? Like, um, and so what that poses in terms of how that's a challenge for a middle school program versus a high school program is that in a middle school program, we're challenged with getting a number of students into a, a large number of students into a smaller number of pages. So, for instance, when I work with middle school advisors at JAU, I, a lot of us have, like at our school, we have 1,300 students, and we have 136 pages to get those students into. And I would say that our book doesn't have less content because it has less pages. It just has less pages. And I think a lot of middle school advisors are facing the same thing. Our, our schools are still pretty large. Um, our books are just smaller. Um, and so the challenge is getting the content in the page, getting the content in that small number of pages in a manner that's not super cluttered and crowded, but, but also representative of the school, the school community, and the students who attend. Now, it's interesting. You, you mentioned JAU, which is Justin's Advisor University. We've done it for years. Best advisor conference on the planet, mid-July every year. Uh, folks, for Justin's people, and by the way, you don't have to be a Justin's person to go to this. Uh, you know, check out our website, not now, but later on for some information. Now, Kristen, you mentioned that at that, you work with middle school advisors, obviously, just like you, but I've, your book is like, wow. When you work with these other folks, 
what are their reactions when they see what you've done and, and what you teach? What, what, how do they react? These are middle school people now. You know, I think some of them are, I hope, inspired that, that the type of material we get my students to put together is something that they can do. But I would say when I put together my presentations for the middle school advisors, I've always tried to pull um, Sarah Sosker um, shares PDFs of, of Justin's books. And I always go into the folder of the PDFs. And the first thing I do is search the words junior high or middle school. And I find every middle school or junior high or even uh, K, uh, like sometimes the K through 12 books. I find every example that has middle school content and in, from that folder that she shares. And I try and put those examples in. I try very, very hard not to just show samples of the work from my students, even though I know that material best. I, I want them to see a wide variety of things that middle school advisors are doing to make their books um, more journalism friendly, more um, appealing to their audience, and, and just overall uh, have, have stronger coverage so that they're they're meeting the they're meeting the coverage demands of their school and getting that nope. large number of students into the small amount of pages. In other words, a book that's fun to read. A book that's fun to read, exactly, yeah. Okay, there you go. Now we'll get back to more middle school stuff in a moment. Let's switch to sort of our main topic here, which is staff organization, because you do a great job with this and with younger kids, so hold that thought. First off, I, I guess... I've been doing this for 20 plus years now and I've had plenty of situations where the yearbook staff essentially is just a bunch of people sitting in a room working. There's no real organization. It's just, come on, sit down at a computer, get the work done. First of all, why is having a good, like a hierarchy, a good staff organization? In other words, definite uh, um, uh, roles and definite jobs for everybody. Why is that important? Why should everybody do that? Well, on my staff, every student on my staff learns uh, four or five basic things. All of the students on my staff learn uh, basic photography. Um, they all learn how to interview. They all learn how to write captions. They all learn what the, the fundamentals of basic page layout and design. But then from there, they're broken down into specializations, like various specializations. So I do have students who um, are in charge of business and students who are in charge. And then I have photographers and then I have writers and designers. And I think what that gives them is that gives them a specific focus. I will say that because my program most years, I don't have a whole lot of returning students in my program. Most years I have to kind of start training from scratch each year on the first day. So a lot of times I put them in a role that they're not entirely confident or comfortable with. And, and occasionally I do have to switch the role um, as the year progresses. But the idea is that I'm open to this and, and they're open to, to change. And, and we try and communicate with one another. Like I, I have a lot of uh, two-way feedback forms where I am asking for their feedback on what I'm doing and I'm, I'm asking them to give me feedback so that I can put them in, in the position and in the place where they are 
best able to focus and, and most likely be, be successful. I will say, and this, is, this has to do with what you asked earlier about middle school students, I will say that kind of there's a, a, like a big cognitive difference uh, between, between middle school students and high school students. And um, middle school students are, are, are different than high school students, and they haven't really found that, that niche for themselves yet. They're still trying on all the different hats. So like in high school, you, a lot of the students, they've, they've decided, I'm a, I'm a yearbook kid, I'm a journalism kid, I'm a theater kid. I'm into sports or athletics, but in middle school, they're doing it all, and they're, they're doing a lot of, of all of it. And so the same kind of applies for the roles on my staff. I have opportunities to try design and to try photography, which fits. And, and sometimes we get it right on the first try, and sometimes not. Now, what, a, what about an editorial group? Now, there are a lot of advisors, their hierarchy, essentially, if you can imagine this in your mind, the advisor's at the top, and then it's everybody. In other words, it's one line down and everybody. Now, you, you mentioned a lot of different roles, photographer, writer, designer. What about editors? How do you handle that? So I think it was my third yearbook that I started having editors, and the editor was like the one or two students who had been on staff the previous year. So it started in a very traditional way where editors were those with seniority. What happened was sometimes the, the students who had seniority either didn't have the flexibility in their schedule or didn't have the same desire or drive that some of the newer students had. And so I had to kind of adjust my expectation and my selection process for student leaders by looking for kids who were willing to kind of go the extra mile. Because for me, that's critical. Um, and maybe for, for most advisors, but definitely at middle school because my students don't have cars, my students have computers. So if I have a student who wants to take the initiative and complete some work at home on their computer and another one doesn't, then the student who's taking the initiative is likely going to be the one who I'm going to select as a leader. And um, I have a variety of, of of student leaders. I have um, some photo editors, I have a copy editor, a design editor, and then I usually have an editor-in-chief. And actually this is an interesting story, I didn't tell you this one yesterday, but um, we have in Texas, we have uh, the, universe, the University of Texas at Austin has a, a scholastic journalism association called ILPC. And they have an award for editor of the year um, and they have a newspaper editor of the year and a yearbook editor of the year. And I think they might also have broadcast editor of the year, but maybe not. I, I'm, I might be getting that confused. Anyhow, I entered my editor two years ago in the contest, and she won. And it was this huge surprise because UIL or ILPC is really dominated by the, the high school programs. And it was the first time in the, in the program's history that the editor the editor award had gone to a middle school editor. And it was really exciting because the competition apparently was pretty tough. But she was amazing and she was such a fantastic leader that I really wanted to make sure that I gave her a shot at being recognized. And I was pretty excited that she won. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, hey, if she's worthy, then she should win. So that, that works for me. Um, now, your middle school is grades 6, 7, 8, which 
if you're not familiar with middle school, that may not seem like a big deal, like, oh, there's not much difference between those. But really, there is a difference between 6 and 8. Now, do you have all three grades on your staff? or in I've, I've only had sixth graders for the past uh, two years. And um, out of, you know, 40 to 50 kids that I've had in the past two years, I've had four sixth graders. So it's not, it's not a ton. Um, but I had three sixth graders on staff last year, and all three of them signed up to be in the class again. So I think um, it's a cool way for me to try and grow the program, and they have a lot of energy and enthusiasm. They don't necessarily have, like, the taste level that the older kids have, but that's something that can be grown and cultivated. And um, and their enthusiasm is, is kind of priceless. And I, you know, some of them have maturity that some of the seventh and eighth graders don't have so it's i haven't regretted having six seventh and eighth graders i it's been fun but i can see where other advisors might might not want to try that because it, it is it's definitely it's scary <laughs> but it, it's so far it's worked out for me Turn to our final segment with our friend advisor Kristen Scott from Austin, Texas, coming up here in just a moment. Now, especially for Justin schools, our Layout Pro trial run has begun. Layout Pro is going to be our brand new online page design tool for school year 2021. It'll officially come out to everybody next spring, probably April, May, when we turn on the new websites. But this year, we have some selected schools around the country that are piloting Layout Pro, testing it. Part of their job is to make a great book. Part of their job, is, frankly, is to help us find the bugs, because there are a few in there. We know that. And so part of their job is stumble across some bugs, report them, we fix them, so that by the time maybe we get to later this fall, everything hopefully has been smoothed out, and this cool new tool is just going to hum and really work well for everyone next year. No more of those annoying flash messages. And if you probably do anything on a computer, any kind of website that has any kind of uh, flash uh, elements on it, you've seen these messages, haven't you? You've got to make a bunch of extra button clicks and the browser is warning you, watch out about flash. Well, we're going to be way past flash long before that deadline shows up. And I'm really excited about Layout Pro. It looks really cool, really flexible. Eventually, you'll be able to use it on things like your iPad, for those schools maybe where every kid gets an iPad, and other type devices. It is mobile-friendly. It'll work with Chromebooks. And so this is just a tremendous innovation. Kudos to our Jostens technology staff. They have been working tirelessly on this, literally, for over two years now. We're in the testing phase right now, and I cannot wait uh, till next year when everybody gets a chance to use this amazing new tool. So stay tuned. We'll keep you up to date. Again, if you check out our video feature on YouTube, the Yearbooking Report, you can get a couple of sneak peeks at what Layout Pro looks like. It is really slick. Right now, let's get back to our final segment with advisor Kristen Scott. Now, there are a good number of excellent high school staffs where maybe the, the, the staff as a whole or the editorial staff have a lot of decision-making ability. They get to make the decisions on what the book's going to look like, what's going to be in it. It's not just the advisor making all the calls. 
Now, you're at the middle school level with an excellent group. How much decision-making ability do your kids have as compared to you, the advisor? So the kids ultimately make the decisions. They, um, we, we do a lot of brainstorming for coverage because we try really hard to keep the coverage fresh from year to year. I want this year's book to be different than last year's book. I want to make sure that if there is a story to cover, we cover it. And if there's not a story that we cover that material in a manner that's still um, unique and different from the previous year. So if for some, like if there's no story about football, then we might do a series of player profiles from the team that year instead of doing like a traditional, this is what happened in the football season this year story. Um, and so it's, it's up to the students ultimately to find those stories and to figure out what they want to cover. We do, we have a meeting, um, once, once we kind of settle into roles, we have a meeting. I call it chip day. It's a little disgusting, but it's, it's fun. They, um, they all bring in a bag of chips, and we put this paper on the tables, and we put the chips out on the table, and they make a plate for themselves with an odd variety, odd assortment of, of chip flavors. Like sometimes they have like pickle-flavored chips and salt and vinegar, and they mix them all together, and they eat them. And then we, we basically we talk. We take this list that we have been – creating for like five or six weeks of topics and stories and things that are happening this year that are different from the previous year. And we, we narrow it down to the stories we really want to tell. And then we kind of divide it up. Um, then we think about when those things are going to happen or when they're going to get covered. And we try and place it within that chronological coverage model. That's, but it's, it's, it's up to them. I mean, if they propose something that is, outlandish or terrifying or something, then, you know, I try to ask them questions and direct them to make good choices, but ultimately I want them to feel the ownership of, of the content in the book. Boy, this is a group I'd love to meet. I would really love to meet this group. This would be awesome. Now, for any rookie advisors out there, two quick things. If you haven't figured it out already, your book stabs run on food, food, and chip, what is that, chip day, chip table? You mix up a bunch of chips or something? Oh, hey, now don't call the food police on me, all right? Come on, don't do that. I love chips a lot. So anyway, now, Kristen, have you ever hit this? Because I have in two decades of doing this. Not often, but sometimes somebody, maybe an administrator or some, I don't know, veteran teacher person that's been around for a long time, they essentially have the attitude, well, it's just a middle school yearbook. I mean, come on. As if to say, what, they can't do this? Now, in your, I think you said 10 years, have you ever hit a situation like that? No, I've hit a couple of things. Um, you know, one, one thing that jumps out at me is that I, I feel like when I attend conferences or when I meet other yearbook advisors, I typically meet high school advisors. I mean, that's just how it is. There's there's a few of us middle school advisors, and we have like a little group text, and we always make sure to check in with one another. But we're kind of like unicorns. We're we're few, we're a little hard to find at some of those those places. And I feel like often when I meet people and they ask me about my program or they ask me where I advise, they're like, oh my god, like I'll say, oh, I'm at Healing Middle School, and they'll say, oh, I'm sorry. And the thing is, is I'm not sorry. I'm exactly where I want to be. 
So what it's always been kind of my personal goal that when someone finds out I'm a middle school advisor that instead of kind of like feeling sorry for me, they would turn to me and say thank you, you know, because ultimately a middle school program, the goal of a middle school program is not to churn out professional journalists, but is to prepare them for their next step in a high school program and to give them a really solid foundation and a really healthy enthusiasm for the material. And I, I think that's that's what I do. Now, on campus, we definitely have, you know, the, a handful of surly teachers that occasionally will be like, it's just a middle school yearbook. No one's going to want to come back and read this. Why are you guys even bother? And, you know, to them, I just say, you know, it might not be important to you, but it's important to somebody. And and that's that's who we're trying to reach, are the people who it's important to. Which is virtually everybody in the school, by the way. Yeah. I don't know about the surly people, but anyway. Now, there's a follow-up. Are you able, or do you do this, um, keep track as your middle school kids go to the high school level? Do they keep going with yearbook or journalism, you know, most of them, or some of them, or do most of them just go do other things? I think it depends. And again, this is that whole idea about what I talked about earlier about the, the, brain, develop, the brain development and how the students haven't fully figured out where they fit or what what their interests and, and joys and passions are. So that editor who I who I adored, who won the high school editor contest, she she ended up going on to high school and she's now taking art and she continue she's hoping to continue with graphic design, but she's doing it more from an artistic from an artistic angle instead of like a publications and journalism angle. And that when I talked to her and found out about it, I was like, oh, that makes sense. Because she was always very visual, very graphic designy. Um, she's a great leader, but her like her her journalism was secondary to her her talents with design. Um, but I definitely, when I go to the conventions, a lot of times I get to like look through and see the individual awards, and it makes me so excited when I see individual awards for students who I taught, um, or when I see programs in in our area that are doing well. I know that. The high school that a lot of students from my school feed into from here, um, that for the past four or five years, the, the student who's been the editor-in-chief has been one of my former students. And that always makes me really happy because it's nice to know that they've, they've gone on to do stuff with um, the material that I, I started with them here. That's cool. That's really cool. All right, one more question. I'm going to assume that we have some rookie people, advisors, kind of tuning in, looking for ideas and tips and so on. If you had a chance to sit down with a rookie advisor, middle school, high school, whatever level, they're brand new to this, and they're probably feeling a little overwhelmed right now, like, oh my goodness, I have to do how much work? If you had a chance to give them some advice, what would you tell them? I feel like I can't stress enough how important culture is in your school and in your classroom. Um, our yearbook does a lot to try and build culture on our campus. Um, and I wouldn't say that that's something that a, a new advisor should necessarily take on. But um, when you create an environment that is joyous um, and a culture of fun in your classroom, it kind of seeps out of the of the walls and out of the door into the hallway and people know that that joy is happening in your classroom and it makes people want to be a part of it and it makes people want to be interviewed and it makes them 
want to be in the yearbook, which, and it makes them want to buy it as well. Um, and that's, that's a huge part of, of being a yearbook advisor. And I know that that's not a practical, here's what I would recommend you do in the first year. So I will give you another, I will give you a practical one as well. Um, I feel like, and this is how I approached it. And I'm not sorry that this is how I approached it, but um, what I've done is kind of each year I pick one thing and that's that's my focus. So my first year, I mentioned this earlier, my first year I, I focused on writing um, because we had no writing in our book when I first took it over. And then my second year we were like, we need to look at design because our design last year was all over the place. It was a hot mess. And then our third year we were like, okay, we do have writing, but the writing is really terrible. So we focused on improving the quality of our writing. I don't think we focused on the quality of our photographs until our fourth or fifth year, which is pretty ridiculous. But we were kind of of the mindset that, like, even if we just have pictures, people will want to look at it. And, you know, they're going to want to look at it more once we start getting better pictures. Um, but like I said, I would just pick one thing. Start, start with one. If you're a super overachiever, maybe pick two, but make one of them at least, like, kind of like a little, a little half one, <laughs> like one and a half. Um, and and just go from there and try and take it a little bit at a time because it's it's a ginormous project. It has so many moving parts that if you try to track them all down in your mind, you you go nuts trying to figure out what they all are. So take it just one little piece at a time. Kristen, that's some great advice. Absolutely great. And again, for anybody but for the rookies out there, storytelling, which is what we are, we're storytellers, can really change the culture of your school if you take the time to tell the stories from those kids who are just invisible or who feel like they're invisible, like nobody knows I'm here, and you can tell their story in the yearbook or maybe in a social media channel. I think that is such a changing thing. You can really change the culture of your school, and your yearbook can do all that. It's possible. So, Kristen, I swear, I really would love to visit your school. I mean, wow, I'd like to meet... I really would, but I really appreciate you taking time, and thank you so very much. A big, big thank you to Kristen for taking time out of her busy schedule to join us online to talk about good staff organization, but also the fact that, you know what, it doesn't matter what level you're at, middle school, high school, college, of course, even elementary school, you can make much more than just a plain old picture book. You can make a dynamite book that tells stories, but a big part of that, of course, is just having some good staff organization. You can teach kids how to be good writers and good photographers and good designers and so on. You can teach that down, I would say, even to the elementary level. But of course, that begins with the willingness to do it. And so hopefully through this episode, you got some great ideas and some extra inspiration. And yeah, don't forget food. Your book stabs run on food. Find a way to kind of sneak that into the equation at your particular school. Folks, thanks for joining us. And uh, thank you for listening to the Your Booking Report podcast.